Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We're here to talk about officially turning the page into Steelers Week here as we finished up yesterday's conversation with kind of putting a bow tie on the mini bye week and all of the thought processes around it. We talked to Doug Lamarie of Cleveland.com. Go check that one out if you have not. Some really good big picture discussion there, as is, as is the usual case when we have Doug on. He's really insightful. I like his his angle on things is different, and I try to have people on that challenge my way of thinking, challenge maybe the common norm, and can provide some insightful things, and Doug does a great job. Not just in podcast form, but when he gets to ask questions to folks, too, does a great job there. So as we shift the page here, the Browns practiced. Here's your group of limited participants, Odell Beckham with a shoulder, Nick Chubb with a calf. Who's trending toward playing from everything we gather? Jack Conklin with a knee. He is confirmed to be playing. Tony Fields with an illness. Never seen a guy more sick than Tony Fields. Interesting. A.J. Green coming back from the groin. He was limited. Blake Hance with an elbow was limited. And then uh, Baker, obviously, with the shoulder was limited. He went through practice. We're going to talk about that extensively here in a second. Malcolm Smith still dealing with the abdomen limited. J.C. Treader with his perpetual knee listing is limited. It's been going on forever. Denzel Ward is looking like he's going to be out this week. We'll talk about that in a second. He was a DMP. Jedrick Wills with an ankle was limited. And then Mac Wilson also with a calf limited. From DMP perspective, Jadevian Clowney with the ankle groin knee. Three designations. Shout out to him. That's interesting. Malik Jackson ankle. Keep an eye on that. That's a name that we got to keep an eye on because he's a huge part of the interior uh, depth. Richard LeCount discipline we don't know anything about the discipline there with account so when we figure that out we'll we'll obviously pass that along on this podcast but yeah that's an interesting thing because he's a young player who i think is good enough to get some time in the secondary but something's going on there keep an eye on that jarvis landry that last play did something to the knee we'll keep an eye on him playing practicing they need him He's an important part of what they do and how they get their operation done. Definitely going to keep an eye on that. Donovan Peoples-Jones seems like the groin injury that he suffered in practice, or sorry, in the pregame is going to keep him out for a little while here. He's a DMP, and then I talked about Denzel Ward. Doesn't look like he's playing either. The good part is that Greg Newsom's kind of confirmed that he is uh, ready to, you know, feel he feels 100% again, which is good because he's going to get a lot of snaps. So is Greedy. Uh, a little bit on the count, as Nate Ulrich from from um, Twitter had noted here, is that LeCount was disciplined by the Browns for a violation of team rules. A club spokesman said the team listed discipline as its injury report designation, didn't practice. We'll see if he practices tomorrow, but that's a strange one. The thing to talk about is Baker Mayfield, who I think some of us thought was going to be out uh, here you know, for the, for the foreseeable future, but he seems to be wanting to give it a go, and it's as he noted, absolutely a possibility. He plays this weekend. He practiced. He seemed to be throwing okay. Definitely a restricted left arm, uh, as would be expected. But uh, he seems to be seems to be going through the process of trying to get ready to play. So if he returns this week, whether he'd be able to finish the season, Mayfield said, I'm completely confident in that. If you go out there you're, and you're scared, you're timid, that's how you get really seriously hurt, which kind of think he is. So I can't do that. I'm trying to get the strength back. 
should be able to get close to 100 as close to 100% as possible and if that's not the case then we trust the guys we have out there she's talking about Case Keenum um you know Stefanski was asked to what asked what Mayfield has to do and practice to prove he's ready to go he said everything as would obviously be the case he got a lot of reps today and Mayfield did too talk about the 53 consecutive starts he had and how tough it was for him to sit out he said looking at all the dysfunction I had to overcome to be able to start the whole time and stay healthy and do all that so that streak was very important to me he said but that's an individual thing and it's more about winning more than anything we did that last week he said you know, did the rest help the shoulder? It definitely did. A noticeable difference in range of motion and strength, which is what you want to hear. Um, went on to talk about if I'm not able to return close to 100% or help this team, if I'm in a situation where I'm going to hurt the team, I'm not going to go. So that's where we're at. We're being evaluated. They're definitely, the last week before the Broncos game, they were definitely advising me not to play, Mayfield said. He continued, I for sure wanted to, thought I was going to be able to, but it got to the point after practice on Tuesday last week I just wasn't able to do the things I needed to do, uh, and that decision was made. He said he hasn't discussed shutting it down for the season. He said people talk on the outside. They don't know how I feel, nor do they decide whether I can go or not. I don't know how long it takes for those things to heal. He said, but it was mostly about the inflammation. So can I get the range of motion back and that strength back? That's where we're at, and that's where we're continuing to evaluate. He also didn't concede surgery on the shoulder because that is typically what quarterbacks do uh, is get surgery on any labrum issue, even if it's an off shoulder, right? He said, I still think I'm taking it day by day. And to be honest with you, because you can do certain things to repair the stuff inside the rotator cuff, strengthen it up. If you examined a lot of people's shoulders, you'd see a lot of partial tears in those labrum labrums. So you can do those things too, I guess, help with that. But we'll evaluate when the time comes. He was asked if the surgery uh, was the was the note from team doctors he said no I don't think anybody else has the knowledge to be able to do that if it was going to be a foregone conclusion and he said he's still considering all his uh, all of his options I mean they're always saying if we do this we if we have to do this then we talked about the possibilities of who to go through and but that's all down the road so things to note it sounds like it seems like it's trending like Baker Mayfield is going to play this weekend we will see as Kevin Stefanski noted how he's going to try to help him, right? He's got to do things as a play caller to help his quarterback. You can see if you watch video from yesterday's practice, Mayfield's keeping the shoulder tight. It's dangerous, man, and it's risky, and I don't, listen, I don't personally love it, but it's not my choice, and it's his body. He can do as he pleases. Uh, I just hope he does understand when that line is drawn between helping and hurting the team. That's, That's what he's got to look at, big picture there. So, Again, he's the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. If he says he's ready to go, if he can throw the football and prove to coaches through two practices this week he can do everything necessary, like Kevin Stefanski said, then Baker will play. So that's where we're at, and we'll go into the game presuming Baker's going to play. All you can do at this point is keep your fingers truly crossed that he's able to play, push through the injury, find a way to be successful, and you know, uh, keep himself safe all at the same time because the last thing we want to see again is Baker rolling around in, in pain on the ground because he takes a direct shot to that shoulder. So sliding, throwing the football away, less running will be obviously what's most important. We are going to get over to our behind enemy lines as we do. The Steelers are coming up. They've been on a weird run this season. They're 3-3, three and three, ups and downs, ebbs and flows of a season where they're kind of hanging on the precipice just like 
Cleveland was kind of going into last week. They're coming off a bye. Cleveland's coming off a mini bye. Should be two well-rested teams for a Halloween football game action. I have on Tommy Jagai of stillcurtain.com. He does a great job previewing where the Steelers are and sort of his thoughts around this game and how they prepare for the Browns and come into Cleveland and try to get a victory to kick off AFC North play for the Browns. They've already played the Bengals, but they got to get back on track. They lost to the Bengals. They cannot afford another division loss. It'll be a huge game. So let's get over to that interview right now with Tommy and discuss everything we need to know about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcoming Tommy into the show. He is obviously well-connected as it gets in the Pittsburgh market to talk about the Steelers. How are you, Tommy? I'm great, Jake. How are you doing today? I'm good. You got construction at your place. I got a little guy here at my place. We're going to try to weather the storm, get through some conversation Mm -hmm. about this. uh, Well, I don't know if it's a rivalry quite yet. Cleveland hasn't been good long enough, but it is by name value and and, and maybe uniform aesthetics, a a nice little rivalry that could be starting in the AFC North. So let's talk about Steelers-Browns. I'm curious... From your end, Tommy, how the Steelers' season has gone for, so far? A little up and down, 3-3, three and three, kind of similar to Cleveland. So just kind of give our listeners, if you can, sort of a roadmap to how they've gotten to this point. It's been a rough journey so far, and I don't think this is the one that Steelers were planning when they handed out a bunch of voidable year contracts uh, earlier this offseason. Um, it's been it's certainly been a rocky road. Uh, Steelers went on a three-game losing streak before bouncing back with two straight wins just before the bye. Um, offensively, it's been a struggle to really get anything going. The Steelers haven't had a 30 point game since week 10 of last season. And so, uh, that's been one of their biggest issues this year so far, but certainly not the start that we were expecting at this point in the season. I don't know if anybody envisioned Steelers being last place in the division entering week eight. What's, what's interesting to me is sort of the dynamic on offense. I mean, I think the defense is still good enough pretty good. I mean, as good as it gets pass rush wise, but I want to spend a little more of our time on offense because this is where, you know, the questions, I think the outside Pittsburgh questions were happening. And I think there's still some conversations around Ben Roethlisberger internally. So I'm just kind of curious, where is it sitting? Is he helping or hurting the cause right now? And it's hard because this is a legend. It's a living franchise legend and you have to have tough conversations sometimes, but I don't know. I have not studied these six games so far. So I'm curious if there's some of those narratives that are just being pushed that are uh, being taken too far, or if the offense is sort of being hunkered down by a little of what Ben is able to or not able to do. No, you're absolutely right. Ben Roethlisberger's 
inability to throw the football down the field has been one of the biggest factors that is hindering the Steelers offense so far this season. I mean, we're looking at 19 and a half points per game over the last 12 contests dating back to last year. That's just not good enough. Uh, Steelers offensive line is, is obviously an issue as well. Uh, it's something that has gotten better over the last two games. They've, they've held up actually uh, pretty well over their last two or three contests, uh, but we still are not able to throw the ball down the field. And so just looking at a few of the numbers that Ben ranks here, this is according to player profiler. Uh, ben is 31st in the NFL in deep ball completion percentage and 31st in yards per attempt. That is not a winning formula right now, and the Steelers have to find a way to to be able to push the ball down the field and complete passes beyond 10 air yards. Well, that that, that comes to my next point is, you know, I understand where Ben is. He's not who he used to be, but it does seem like there are opportunities. I know Juju is out for this foreseeable future here, but Deontay, Chase Claypool, I think James Washington would still be getting snaps. I'm not sure. I'm kind of speaking for for you in Pittsburgh a little bit. I know Ray Ray McLeod gets involved. What is the wide receiver dynamic looking like? And then you can include tight end, too, if Pat Fryermuth or, or Eric Ebron are also getting some of those target shares as well. Sure. I, I don't think Steelers skill players are uh, as bad as some people want to make them out to be. I think it's a combination of everything. Not enough time uh, for Ben to, to throw the football at times. Uh, ben struggles down the field. Uh, I, I think it's a little bit of a little bit of a mixture there. But uh, without Juju, uh, they've actually won their last two games. And it's not I mean, it's not because Juju wasn't there, obviously. And they could certainly use Juju across the middle. But Juju's efficiency really, really dipped this year. Uh, worse to where it ever was. He had 129 receiving yards through his first four games and change before he got injured. And he was on the pace for just over 500 yards on a 17 game season this year. Uh, I believe he was averaging, uh, he was averaging under five yards uh, per attempt, his direction. And when he was a rookie, that number was all the way up to, I believe, 11.6 yards in attempt. So that's quite a difference there. Um, one of the biggest factors uh, that's, that's caused to a, uh, lead to the Steelers struggle in the receiving game this year is Ben and Claypool not being on the same page at all. I mean, this was a connection that we thought was going to be great looking at the beginning of last year. I mean, Claypool had a, a three touchdown performance earlier in the year, I believe against the Eagles. And this year it's, it just doesn't look anything the same at all. And I think there's, there's blame to be had on, on both sides there. Uh, there's a few balls that Claypool could have came down with, but in general, the, the accuracy is just not there. I don't think Ben has given him a great chance to come down with the football. I think Deontay Johnson is having a really good season quietly for the Steelers. Uh, we're looking at the NFL's drop leader from last year. Uh, he has just one, I believe, that depend on, it depends on who you look at the stat that credited with it, uh, but it's a, a, a throw that was very short and low from, from Ben uh, this season. And he has just one drop um, in as many targets this year. So I think I think he's having a really good season. And, and Pat Fryermuth is coming along strong here. I think he could be a weapon for Steelers down the stretch and gets them uh, kind of back into the swing of things and helps their offense over the middle with Juju out. I'm kind of curious how they play. Like, what kind of structure do they use? I know Matt Canada arrives. He's got some different things. We know we're well-versed in him from Ohio State territory here. I'm in Columbus and some of the stuff he did at Maryland. 
a lot of motion, a lot of things like that. Is that translating? Have you seen a difference in approach from year to year this year? Or is it still a lot of the gun personnel-based things that Ben is most comfortable with? Like, And are they using more 12 personnel? Are they getting the tight ends more involved? Uh, I know that they obviously have one of the better four wide receiver groups. So, you know, we talk about the Cardinals, who the Browns had a few weeks ago, who live in a lot of 10 personnel. But I just was sort of curious if the, where, where their sort of tendencies are sitting throughout seven weeks of the season. Yeah, Jake, they've been running a little bit more 12. We saw last game, they've been using their their third tight end, Zach Gentry, who's he's kind of a behemoth up there up front. And I've kind of been pulling for the Steelers to use him a little bit more and Ebron a little bit less because Gentry is a good blocker, doesn't offer a lot as a receiver. Uh, but in terms of Canada's overall offense this year, not nearly as, as much of the the actual Matt Canada offense that I think that fans were expecting this year. And in, in, it, in many ways, it looks much of the same as what we've, what we've been seeing uh, for the last few years for the Steelers. Um, but I do think, I, I do think their tight ends show some promise. I think Fryermuth has a chance to be a, a really special player for them and a guy that could be there for eight or 10 years. And so he's, he's looking like a really good pick. Uh, the Eric Ebron signing, it looks like an utter fail right now. He's really struggling this year. I would say he's probably having the worst year of his professional career. Um, he, he doesn't offer much as a blocker, and he's been really inconsistent as a receiver so far. So as Fryermuth's snaps go up, Ebron's continued to go down. Yeah, I think that transition's pretty logical. I think Pat is a is a really nice modern tight end and will be good for them as they sort of transition between whatever the offense now and where it's going. So uh, it's sort of interesting that to hear that he is creeping into some of those starter snaps because I think he's deserving a guy that you know and not just in brown circles in the twitter circles really for for draft coverage really liked him so it was good to see him get uh, to a place I think mm -hmm. they can utilize him really well uh talk about the offensive line I, I think that there's a I, I would <laughs> sort of guess here that many Browns fans don't even know who the starters are for Pittsburgh's offensive line due to the transitions that have happened so if you want to tell them who starts from left to right tackle and then sort of cover how they've been playing uh, collectively and a little individually anecdotes. If you have those as well, that would be great. Yeah, Jake, I certainly don't fault any Browns fans for not knowing who's on the Steelers offensive line right now. There's probably a lot of Steelers fans who don't after the turnover that we had last year. Uh, so looking left to right, we've got a rookie starting at, at left tackle. Dan Moore Jr. is a fourth round rookie this year. Uh, Kevin Dotson is starting at left guard. Uh, Kendrick Green's another rookie starting at center. We've got Trey Turner starting at right guard, and we got Chukwuma Okorafor starting at right tackle. And there's been some discussion there about whether or not the Steelers should throw Zach Banner back in there, who only has two career starts by the age of 27. So we're not sure what he provides. The Steelers did pay him this offseason. But the general outlook of the offensive line has not been very good this season. And I think you could argue that their worst position right now is either quarterback or offensive line. Pretty definitive definitively in fact uh there's been a lot of struggles there the run game really struggled to do anything through the first four contests of the season luckily uh that number has jumped up since then they've they've rushed for over 100 yards in each of their last two games and so i think this young offensive line that averages in i believe just over 24 years old it's trending in the right direction but what i really want to see from them this year is hopefully that there's a few core players that the Steelers can have to build around because if they need to go and, and throw these guys in the dump next year and grab a whole new offensive line, they're going to be back at square one again. And so I really want to see progress 
from the from the left side over to the center position with with Dan Moore, uh, Kevin Dotson, and Kendrick Green. And I think those guys are potentially guys that they could have to build around. I think Browns fans are very fortunate to have one of the best offensive lines in the league right now. And I kind of don't know how that feels like. I, I don't think the Steelers have ever really had an elite offensive line. They had a stretch there from 2014 to 2017 where we had some solid veterans that Mike Munchak did an incredible job coaching up. Um, and I think that you guys definitely have that with Callahan and then some. And so uh, I'd like to see the Steelers get to that point eventually, but we got to start spending some resources or it's not going to improve. Yeah, they have they have tried to uh, piece it together and and add the skill guys. It's not a it's not a bad it's not a bad theory. I mean, it's worked. You know, the, the consistency of Pittsburgh for so long, it's hard to argue with it. But I do think they are in line to invest in offensive line. But they also too will probably be keeping their eye on the biggest investment of all in the future at quarterback. So there's a lot of things to to go on there to mm-hmm. keep it rolling. But the offensive focus is real. We'll close on offense with this. The Browns defense is interesting. It's been the roller coaster of all roller coasters. Some really, really great football games they put together, and then some absolutely ugly ones. And I'm just sort of curious from an outsider perspective. Maybe you haven't even watched the Browns much, but like in your mind, what do you think Pittsburgh has to do to put up 24, 27, 31 points on Cleveland in this game? Yeah, the Browns defense has been very interesting this year, and at times they'll look great, and and other times they're giving up, what, 47 points to the Chargers a few weeks ago, and so you don't know what you're going to get this week in Cleveland if you're the Steelers' offense, but one thing that they have to be able to do is to run the football, because Ben is not going to be able to go back and forth and exchange scores in the passing game. I just don't think, uh, I don't, I don't think that's a recipe for success for the Steelers this year. I think they're going to be able to have to run this football successfully. Uh, they're going to have to make some plays in the passing game too, as well. And so that's going to, that's going to rest on Ben. Uh, and I mean, shifting gears for a second defensively, I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to completely shut down the Browns offense. So we're looking at uh, the Steelers are going to have to score probably in, at least in the mid twenties to win this game. And some of that's going to have to fall uh, on Ben and some of that's going to fall with the responsibility of the rushing attack this week. Yeah, the one thing Cleveland has done well defensively pretty consistently is they have held people in check in the run game. They've gone 73, 82, 46, 65, 41. They've had a couple outlier games. The Cardinals, now this is where it gets interesting to me because the Cardinals ran into a lot of lighter boxes. This is where I think Pittsburgh could take advantage putting out there four wide receivers, putting Fryermuth out there, maybe even, I know it's 11 personnel, but putting him into a position in the slot, something like that to create lighter boxes, is something they could take advantage of because the Cardinals ran for 144, and the Chargers, uh, really, some of this was Herbert. They held Eckler to like 61 yards, but the Chargers did end up putting up 112 collectively. So the Browns do play pretty good run defense, but the passing game mishaps in the back half of the secondary and the safety play in particular have given them fits. So I will be fascinated to see if Pittsburgh tries to push the ball vertically, even though Ben hasn't been good at it. Sometimes those connections can happen if they find the right week at the right time. So I think that there's some challenges they can make downfield. Do, like you just said, let's switch over Tuck Brown's offense. It's a mystery right now. Baker Mayfield might be playing. He might not. Apparently there's been a four-day hallelujah moment with his shoulder that he feels better. I don't know. I don't think that there's a huge drop-off, Tommy, between uh, the way Baker's been playing when he's been so beat up. I don't think there's a huge drop-off to Case Keenum. It does sound like Nick Chubb is creeping toward playing. He's saying all of those, we've got to be careful, see how the week goes, see what it looks like. But if they do get him back with Dearness Johnson, you do have some sort of 
uh, formidable approach there. And then Jack Conklin looks like he'll be back at the right tackle spot. And uh, the wide receiver group, Jarvis Landry, it's up in the air. So I, I, well, that kind of covers where the Browns are. I'm not totally sure who they'll be putting out there, but I'm curious from your end. Let's start with the front. How good is the front playing? I know they're replacing a couple guys. Uh, I know they're replacing Bud Dupree and some others, but it seems like Cam Hayward and it seems like TJ Water peak powers right now. Yeah, I would still say that's the strength of Pittsburgh's defense this year and the strength of their team in general, even though they're missing Stephon Tewitt, who was a very key player for them. I would I would go as far to say a top four player on the roster for them last year. And Tyson Alulu is now out for the season. So they have taken a bit of a hit there. Chris Wormley has done an excellent job uh, stepping up next to Cam Hayward in the middle. He's provided some really sound run defense. Doesn't offer a whole lot as a pass rusher. Uh, but we know that Hayward has having an amazing year this year in, the, in uh, he's found the fountain of youth once again. And so he continues to play at a very high level. TJ Watt has been banged up with a, a hamstring injury, but uh, he's still found a way to make plays, which is expected from him. And so I still think uh, their defensive line is really strong. I think that's the strength of their team. With linebacker situation, I know that, that Bush is is coming back from the ACL, right? Like, we know that's been a thing. You, you traded for old Cleveland Brown favorite Joe Schobert. Curious how those guys are playing. And and sort of, are they sticking with two interior backers? Or are they moving? Because I know the Browns in the playoffs attacked Spillane a lot. They got him in space and took advantage of him. I'm just sort of curious if you think that group is playing better. Uh, if Bush is, I'm not sure. Is he even back from the knee injury? Is he playing well coming back? I'm curious how that looks. Yeah, Jake, they never really run more than two off-ball linebackers at a time, and sometimes they will rotate Spillane, who was starting for them for a good portion of the season last year. I would say that the linebackers are more disappointing than anything else on the team this year. I think I think that fans really had high hopes. Uh, Browns fans obviously know how Schobert was when he was with them. He was, he was a good football player, and he wasn't quite the same in Jacksonville, but he at least created the splash plays and got the, got the takeaways. Uh, so far, Schobert has been all right, and Bush has been even worse. And it's it, it could be due to his injury still. It could be uh, he, he dealt with a, a groin injury also, like it seems like half the defense did. Uh, and he's recovering from an ACL. But Bush does not seem the same for me. I went back and watched some of his college game, till, game tape last week, and he was just a much more aggressive, fast, and physical football player in anymore he's he's kind of just letting the play come to him instead of uh attacking and so i think that's a big area of kind of weakness right now for the steelers is is over the middle and coverage for the linebackers and run defense even for the linebackers who are they're making those tackles way too far down the field and they they need to to come up and do a better job supporting the run so i think i think their uh, off ball linebackers is one of the most disappointing positional groups this year considering the investments they have in that position Always tough because we're trying to get Browns fans to understand coming back from ACLs and how hard it is to come back from those ACLs and be mm -hmm. back to playing full speed. So that stuff's a challenge. Uh, we talked about how well Cam Hayward's playing. Did we get? Did uh, you might have mentioned this? I got a little guy here running around like a madman, <laughs> wanted some fruit <laughs> snacks. But uh, did you did you kind of touch on how Alex Highsmith's doing replacing Dupree? How, how's he playing? Yeah, let me speak for that for a moment because I didn't. I. Uh, I think Highsmith is doing a really good job. I think he's picking right up where he left off opposite of TJ Watt last year. Um, I, I think he provides a little bit of everything, maybe not, not great at anything, but good at everything he does. He's, he's a good pass rusher, good, good run support. He gets pressure on the quarterback. And 
the Steelers, I think they have one of the best rotational pieces probably in the league right now with Melvin Ingram coming in to spell snaps for Watt and for Highsmith when those guys are healthy. And when, and when all three of them are healthy, I think the Steelers can generate a lot of pass rush keeping those guys fresh. So, yeah, I, I think their edge players are, uh, like I, along with the defensive line, that's the strongest group on their team. Well, let's shift to the secondary because I'm looking at grades and – Listen, safety grades and corner grades can get weird, man. I don't always think they're as bad or as good as mm-hmm. they, they sometimes illustrate on Pro Football Focus. Nothing against them. I just think it can sometimes be hard to quantify those things. Minka Fitzpatrick's playing down at a 37 grade with eight missed tackles. Terrell Edmonds is at a 58. So I'm curious, like, are the safeties playing that poorly? Because we know how skilled Minka is. It's a lot of what the Browns are dealing with with John Johnson, where he's clearly a good player. He's had a good history of play in the NFL. It's just like something's going on this year. So I don't know. Maybe you watch it and think Minka's not playing as bad as a 37 grade would indicate with a 29.8 coverage grade. But uh, I'll I'll give the uh, table Mm -hmm. to you for safety play. Yeah, it's not as bad as what Pro Football Focus wants to make it out to be with their grading scale. Uh, I will say it hasn't been great though either from Minka. Uh, we've got none of the splash plays. He doesn't. He doesn't have an, an interception or really anything more than a pass defense dating back to last season so far. And so uh, it, it's certainly not the play that you've come to expect from a two-time first-team All-Pro safety by the age of 24 years old. We expected more from Minka. I do think that we'll see it following the bye week because um, we know that he's a pretty talented player. He was a blue chip player out of Alabama coming out and, and he's put to, he's strung together two really good seasons prior to this. And so I think a lot of it is just being right place and right time. I think the Steelers might be stretching him a little bit too thin with what they're asking him to do. And he's kind of lining up all over the place. He's making plays in the box. Uh, my preference is to kind of just keep him back there in the secondary and, and let him attack the football in the air. And so we'll see if he gets the chance to do that. Uh, his counterpart, Terrell Edmonds, I think has outplayed him so far. I was go, I would go as far to say because Edmonds has been more consistent of the two. Neither have brought a lot of splash, but Edmonds has been more consistent uh, in terms of his uh, pass coverage as well. And so I think that tandem could still be one of the better ones in the league. I thought it was last year. I think they can get back to playing that way again. Uh, and another player that's really came out of nowhere to surprise them is uh, their seventh-round rookie, Trey Norwood who kind of plays that dimebacker role for them, is listed as a safety, just comes in as an extra defensive back. He's probably been the most impressive out of the three, to be honest, because he's he even just this last game prior to the bye, he made three huge third down stops solo by himself, and he was, he was very impressive. And so uh, that's one of the players I don't think anybody expected to do anything for him this year, even if, if he even made the roster as a, a late-round pick. And so... Uh, he's kind of turning heads as well. Certainly not going to be taking somebody's job anytime soon, uh, but another player the Steelers uh, can rely on. Well, the corners too. Joe Hayden, we know the connection. Joe's played pretty well throughout his time. I know there was con- he was trying to talk about getting a contract extension done. I don't think that happened as far as I saw. So I'm curious how he's playing in an important year for him. I think Cam Sutton has taken over for... Uh, I believe what Mike Hilton or something of that nature. I think Mike Hilton was the other guy, but I could mm-hmm. be wrong on that. And then uh, is is Arthur Millette playing the 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 nickel corner? So uh, touch on those if you can, the corners and the and the uh, nickel corner if you can. Tell us how those guys are playing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Joe Hayden's agent reached out to the Steelers prior to the start of the season, and and Steelers kind of declined a contract extension, which is expected. I don't think Hayden held any leverage over them. He turns 33 in the offseason, and I don't think that's a situation the Steelers wanted to uh, glue themselves to there. And so 
Uh, Hayden kind of said his goodbyes already uh, before the start of the season on social media. And so I kind of doubt that he's coming back next year Uh, in terms of his play this year. I think he's been solid. I don't, I don't think it's been anything spectacular. It's not the Hayden that the Browns or the Steelers are used to seeing in his prime years. Uh, He doesn't have an interception for them yet. Uh, And this is a guy that's taken the ball away 10 times since joining the Steelers uh, uh, in terms of interceptions. And so, we would like to sp- see more splash out of him just like we would out of Edmonds, but it really it hasn't been there for anybody in the secondary this year. Um, Mike Hilton joined the Bengals, obviously, this offseason. And so Cameron, Hutt- Cameron Sutton, who was uh, their dimebacker last year, kind of stepped in it to, to a more of a full-time role as the right cornerback this year. Um, and he's he's been moved around a little bit. But he's pl- primarily playing the right cornerback position. Arthur Mallette has been a pretty solid signing for them this year that I don't think anybody expected. I don't know if uh, anybody thought that he would be in the role that he's playing right now. And he's kind of taken over the Mike Hilton role as the nickel cornerback, um, offering some support in the run. And he's he's done a decent do- job in coverage. And so that's that's been a pretty good signing for him. Uh, and the only other guy they use at the cornerback position really is James Pierre, who uh, stepped in for Joe Hayden uh, a few games ago when he was out. I think Pierre has flashed. He's looked really good at times, and he's also been beat really badly down the field, and so which is to be expected from a young guy. So uh, the the whole outlook of their cornerback position is not great. I would I would I would label it as below average, uh, with without a lot of upside. Unfortunately, uh, the Steelers traded for Akello Witherspoon. They traded a fifth round pick for him, and he's barely even earned a helmet most games that he's uh, been available. And so that's that's looking like a bad trade right now. And they just they don't they don't have great depth, and they don't have great guys at the top. So I think this is a below average unit that can certainly be exposed if the pass rush doesn't get there in time. Yeah, do they prefer to play more base, or do they do they like to bring on extra defensive backs and play more nickel and dimebacker type looks like you were mentioning earlier? Or do you feel like as you look at the data, they sit they they prefer to stay in a more three four look, uh, the traditional look? Yeah, the base has gone down, and I think part of that has to do with Alulu being out for the season and and not having uh, Stefan to it right now. And so I think they're trying to utilize the best players on the roster. They do a lot of nickel looks. Um, and that's something that I see. I think I think that's going to continue in the future. Uh, expect a lot of nickel, and it depends on how uh, they're getting beat as well. If if it's uh, matching up against a team like the Browns this week, they might have to revert back to more base because otherwise they could get killed on the ground with that good offensive line and run game. We saw what Dearness Johnson just did, and so I think uh, if they're not careful, uh, they're going to get beat that there again, and they're going to want to make sure that they've got a the right personnel in there to counter the Browns, whatever they're doing. Yeah, that'll be important, obviously, when you look at how Cleveland plays the most 13 personnel in the entire NFL, and they try to sprinkle in more 11 personnel. They've really skipped over 12 personnel to try to go to one extreme or the other. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how Pittsburgh matches up. Listen, Tommy, this has been great. Before we close, a couple things. How are the specialists playing? How's kicker punter doing? Who's the return guys? And then close with uh, just sort of how you feel about this weekend. If you feel good, you feel bad, uh, just interested in uh, a perspective of someone who's close to Pittsburgh's organization. For sure, Jake. Uh, the special teams, it, Chris Boswell, I think you can make a case, has been the best player on this team outside of Hayward and maybe T.J. Watt. 
uh, for some time now. I think he's probably the second best kicker in the NFL next to maybe Justin Tucker. And he, this guy just doesn't miss. And so I think that he's kind of an underrated prospect. If the Steelers are getting in field goal range, they're probably going to make it. And so uh, he's been a huge asset to them, especially after a few years ago where uh, he looked like a borderline cuttable player if it wasn't for his contract. So he's really bounced back nicely these last two seasons. Uh, and the Steelers are getting some pr- a pretty good performance out of their seventh round rookie punter, Presley Harvin as well. And so he's, he's able to beam the ball down the field, not the most consistent. Uh, I think that'll come in time. Um, and then as far as returnability, nothing special uh, really going on for them right now. Uh, not a lot of kickoffs and then punt returns have been just, just average. And so I think Steelers special teams play though, overall, it, that's not been an issue for this team. Um, Steelers actually had it. They also had a blocked, uh, a blocked field goal the other week that was called back for an offsides. It was very questionable that, that it looked like Minka had timed that jump perfectly, uh, which would have been a, bu- a, a huge play in that game. Uh, but overall, the special teams isn't an issue for the uh, for the Steelers right now. It's it's more on the offensive side of the ball. And then kind of just the general outlook of the season. I think the Steelers can bounce back. I, I think if they are to beat the Browns this week, there's a good chance that they can start the season off six and three. I think they could win the next two games after that. Uh, but they have a really tough stretch down, uh, uh, really, really tough schedule down the stretch. And I think... I think my original prediction is probably going to be pretty close to where they end up. And that was nine and eight. And so we'll see what happens this year. I, I mean, obviously the Steelers need to win this game to, to, to leapfrog over top of the Browns and to avoid dropping a a game and a half behind them in the AFC North. And so uh, this is a huge game for them and we'll see what happens. Huge game for both teams, man. The Browns go into a four game stretch here. That's going to probably dictate the outcome of their season. So it, it kicks off with, Two division teams that are that are I still think are very much threats, and I think the Bengals are on the rise, and I think Pittsburgh will do everything they can as a franchise that's accompanied by tons of winning. Uh, will will certainly do. The culture speaks for itself in Pittsburgh. So, uh, real quick before we go, Tommy. First of all, thank you. Really, really appreciate your time and your effort in, in providing insights to the fan base of this podcast. Lastly, if you could tell everybody where to find your work in case they want to come across some Pittsburgh information as the year wears on. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai, and uh, you can find me at fansidedstillcurtain.com. All right. We weathered the storm, Tommy. We made it through the construction, the little guy here on my end. We made it, man. I appreciate your time so, so much, and uh, thanks again. Yes, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks to Tommy for spending his time with us, giving us everything we need to know about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Appreciate that very, very much. Continue to check out the OBR Twitch where we will have our Thursday roundtable up, which will be a pretty fun show. A lot of things to talk about and an important week for your Cleveland Browns. Also, I will be on finally again as we got the headphone situation rectified. John Colosimo will join me for our usual Fridays with John Colosimo where we'll talk all about the division, see what's up with that, talk about the Thursday night football game. It's a fun episode. One of my favorite episodes of the week where we get to kind of yuck it up on all things around the league and not just focus on the Cleveland Browns. So be ready to check that one out on Friday. Otherwise, everybody have a great Thursday. Enjoy your time. Get through. And then before you know it, it'll be Friday. Appreciate your listening. Appreciate your subscriptions, your downloads, your support. That means the world to me. And I hope you do understand that. Thanks again, everybody. And we sign off with the usual. Go Browns. Go Browns.